0: Welcome back, I'm Karl Mack and this is Combat Chronicles um, We're going to see how this episode goes, I kind of alluded to it on last week's episode That um, I was going to go and do something a little bit unique this week um, Kind of like live predictions and instant analysis on UFC 280 Which is uh, a really stacked card and just thought maybe it might be interesting to sort of you know, Give my thoughts on the fights before they happen, watch them and then come back and let you know you know how wrong I was essentially. Um, prelims I'll dip in when I fancy it. I'm going to watch the whole event obviously. Um not going to just you know give reactions to every single fight in the card as I've said millions of times. It's not really what we do here. But anything interesting I'll, I'll sort of cover it in depth if I can or at least make passing sort of reference to it. Um, you know there's certain things like uh, Bilal Mohamed and Sean Brady not really you know Tickling my fancy, so to speak. Um, but it's important in terms of ranking. So, something like that. Of course, I'm going to talk about it. Um, I mean, there's it's probably a fight in the main card I'm not going to be talking about. So, that says all you need to know, really. Um, but, especially at the top, top, top of the card. Um, whew! Um, I said last week, I haven't really got a clue who's going to win between Charles Oliveira and Lissan Makachev. I still don't. Um more on that later who knows this podcast could be 30 minutes long it could be two hours long i really don't have a clue at this point because um usually i you know watch the fights have time to think about them and then come back and sort of pass it down to you know information i think is, is is important or interesting um and then sort of go right i'm going to talk about this fight on the podcast i've just kind of already got it in my head what i'm going to say um with this I mean, you're going to sort of see me in real time losing my shit. I think probably the only close thing to this... Um, let's find out what the episode number was, guys. Let's find out what the episode number was. But it was the instant reaction to the match, which I recorded probably five minutes after the event had uh, finished. I've been, but, but with that, I've been writing my thoughts all day, essentially, uh, for the... Uh, for the episode, you know, sort of every time the fight was happening, I was writing little things down so I could jump straight in and do the episode. It was episode eighteen, back on the obviously the nineteenth of June, which was uh when the match took place. Um with this one, as I say, it's different. Less time to sort of process the fights, less time to sort of gather my thoughts. Probably gonna be spectacularly wrong in real time. So should be fun. And before we get to it, um I mentioned, I think on the podcast uh last week that I'm not going to be here uh, this coming week. I'm having the full week off on vacation. I'm going away. I'm going to try and turn my phone off as best as possible. But I thought ahead. And uh, as I may forget to mention it at the end of the podcast, because I might be caught up in the moment, hopefully a great moment, because you know I am rooting for Charles to win uh, tonight. Um, no problem with Islam Makhachev. I think he's a quality fighter, but come on, I want Chucky to get this done. Um, but I have thought ahead, I have already recorded a podcast for this main feed which is going to drop on Wednesday the 26th of October. It's the preview for a big fight, got a great guest on. Um, so that one's already recorded, edited, in the can and scheduled. That'll just drop while I'm away. Maybe I'll get special dispensation from my partner to jump on Twitter just to promote it quickly. But I'm reliably informed that you know, if I use social media too much while away, I'm not going to get what I want. And also, no, I have not yet watched one championship. I've been told I have to. I've seen, you know, sparse highlights of it. I will try and get around to it and do uh, maybe something on Patreon if, if the mood takes me. But um, nothing on that just yet. This is just an episode focused on UFC 280, which, you know, regardless of whatever delights uh, one had in store for us this, uh, I guess it was Friday um, and into Saturday morning, um, it just does not even compare. To how much I'm anticipating this UFC card um, you know, Let's just have a quick look And see what I'm really excited for on this card um, Let's start on the prelims um, I'm not really excited for But I think Mohamed Makaev versus Malcolm Gordon Might be somewhat interesting Maybe, maybe not Talk about it when we get to it um, And I'll preview it um, Yeah Yeah Hmm. Eh, there's a couple of fights here, which is somewhat interesting. Nothing that's blowing my mind. Uh, but I will be back to you know preview and talk about them, as I say. Uh, main card, uh, probably not. I'm going to talk about Caitlin Kate Lynch-Kate versus Manon Firo. Don't care. Um, don't know how to pronounce the French girl's name. Even I'm reliably informed she's one of the few decent um, sort of uh, female flyweights. I- I'm. I'm not even ashamed to say I've not even checked her out yet. I have unfortunately, seen. In more than once. Um, and then after that, it's all bangers. Uh, Darius versus Gamrot should be... Uh, I don't know if it's going to be great, but I've, it's intriguing. As I say, we'll talk about that later. Piotr Yan versus Sean O'Malley. Uh, more than likely to be a shit-kicking, but you, you're lying if you say you're not going to watch it. Tense and you know unsure of what's going to happen because O'Malley's janky and you just never know. It is MMA after all, but I'm, I'm predicting a shit-kicking. Um, Aljo versus TJ. More on that later, um, Charles versus Islam, more on that later. What we we'll do is, as I say, I'm not really sure what's going to happen in that, so I'll just sort of swing for the fences just before it kicks off. I've said this so many times over the years, but I call this feeling the big fight feeling. And it's the one I get when the night before I dream about the fights, where all week, like sort of you're at work on a Wednesday and suddenly you get a feeling in your stomach, you go, fuck yes, it's fucking happening in three days. do not really happen that much as I get older i think i've expressed this before on the podcast but it's very rare i'm actually a fan of fighters or like get like super excited i mean i still get excited for fights but usually you get that big fight feeling because you're invested in the fighters emotionally and that's not really something that happens too much to me nowadays obviously i do have some key favorites uh and you know a few guys that you know i follow and just really want them to win but generally, I like most fighters, um, or find interest in most fighters. And I just I, I watch fights with the interest of seeing how they play out, and then seeing you know what does that tell us about the guys? How am I going to learn about how each guy sort of responds to stress? How they do in certain situations? It's less about um, fighters, and it's more about fighting itself, um, which I'm sure some of you might feel is kind of sad or oh god, what you you, you don't even get emotionally invested? Well, of course I do. Um, at times, and, and generally, even in fights where you're not emotionally invested, you're going to have someone that you're leaning towards, someone that you prefer. But, this fight, I mean, it's a fight I've been following for years, um, Charles Oliveira, um, a fighter who is constantly, well, not constantly, but in recently, it's completely exceeded my expectations for him. A fighter who's always been somewhat of a uh, lovable action fighter, Extremely violent and dangerous, but also extremely vulnerable. Um, And has remarkably hit his prime, hit his stride, and in his early 30s, now appears to be in his physical, mental prime. And is, uh, you know, even without the belt, is essentially sitting atop the £155 division after a tumultuous career, lots of ups and downs, uh, lots of aborted, uh, you know, this is his time moments. Um, and I remember vividly, I'd never seen him in uh, you know, pre-UFC in, in Jungle Fight. I'd never seen him, um, but I vividly remember, was it in Jungle Fight? He had fought a Jungle Fight, yeah? He hadn't fought that many times, but I, I remember vividly the excitement uh, of him coming into the UFC when he fought uh, Darren Elkins. Um, in his debut um, which was what 10 years ago now let's check let's not get this wrong Uh, 12 years ago Um, so yeah I mean I vividly remember that and I remember the Jim Miller fight like it was yesterday as well and you still thought that oh you know it's just learning and then you know you know Jim Miller... It's mad. In 2010, Jim Miller was still seen as a crafty veteran. So, Charles Oliveira, I've watched him sort of grow over the years, always been a fan, did not buy into this current win streak. I did not. I'll tell you now, I did not buy into it. I did not buy into it because he was sort of moving up the ranks in the 155 division without really fighting anyone that I thought was particularly great. Um, You know... Got the win back over Jim Miller all them years later. Um, fought Nick Lentz. I mean, they should have done that more, to be honest yeah. Um Oh, no, they did. Um, yeah, Kevin Lee, I never really rated. People loved Kevin Lee. I just never really sold on Kevin Lee. There was that sort of time where it was like, Kevin Lee, Habib's worst nightmare. And I never bought it. It was good, but flaky. You um, had some quality traits, but... Never the sum of his parts, in my opinion. Tony Ferguson, you know, he was past his best, pretty clear to me. Chandler started stepping up, really started sort of going, all right, yeah, all right, Charles has got something here. And then, you know, we now see that he's basically the same fighter he always has been, but he's got this sort of bounce-back ability now in the sense that he doesn't seem to fold as often. He doesn't fold at all. He can get dropped, he can get hurt, but he knows how best to parlay that into success. This is not me working my way through the makachev oliveira prediction. We'll do that later, as I said. Um, This is just me sort of talking about why this event is so momentous to me and why, uh, you know, a couple of hours before I'm recording this intro and sort of trying to compartmentalise how I feel about it and why this episode is happening in such a strange sort of unique way because it feels big. It feels important. Um, There's a lot of... Well, actually, and I told you so, people online that are like... Because whilst Charles was sort of ascending on this run, which is he's probably what, on a 12 fight unbeaten Beaten Street or 13 or something like that, maybe 10, I'm not going to check, I'm not going to cheat. Um, You know, I still saw, you know, he, he got stopped by Fowler, and then he went on the run and David Tamer dropped him and, you know, I kept thinking, hold on a minute. He's sort of being buoyed here by the fact that he's fighting a lesser calibre of 155 pounder. Last couple of fights, he's fought the best that the division has to offer um, in obviously Gaethje Chandler and, and Poirier and has sort of bounced back against all of them and won in spectacular fashion and now there's this kind of feeling, general consensus that Charles is no longer flaky and I'm not so sure that's true. Um, even though he's proved me wrong many times, um, I think you could, find a situation and I guess I am kind of predicting the fight now you can find a situation where if you fight through his his, his grappling and, and you know no sell it you can tire him out more I don't think he gets tired out so much by someone whacking him and dropping him early in the first round anymore he gets tired out when people can f- f- put him in phases that he doesn't want to be in and keep him there and uh and tire him out and I think, you know, you could see in this fight, out of all the stylistic matchups out there for him, Makachev might be the guy to do that. Um don't think sort of fighting fire or fire is the way to Did I say that right? Fighting fire with fire isn't necessarily the way to beat Charles. Frustrating him might be. Um and Makachev might be able to do that. We're gonna get again, do a proper prediction later on this one, but I'm just not so certain that Charles is now this unbeatable killer. Even though his striking has developed so much, even though he appears more physically sturdy than ever before, but th- this is why I'm trying to sort of get this across. Because if Charles does win tonight, then you really can never doubt him again. It it, it wasn't against uh, you know Gaethje and Poirier, as great as they are, um, and as dangerous as they are, two guys who are a little bit flaky. And Chandler, who, you know, incredible athlete and powerful striker and quality wrestler, but for me, always a little bit flaky. They're flaky blokes. All three of them. Tremendous fighters. I don't want people to think I'm just outwardly. Oh, it's flaky. They're not Kevin Lee level flaky. But for me, they are a little bit flaky. And a little bit uh you can sort of take them out of their game. The fact that Charles is the one to do it is amazing because you know he was previously the king of flakiness now he's a fucking you know he's basically the violence god of mma uh, one of the most incredible finishers of all time and i think recently someone said you know if you had to compare him to any boxer you know who would you say well i've been saying for a while now is it's like archie Moore, a guy who you know fought the best of the best regularly uh, lost some won some uh, lost quite a few fights um against the the best fighters that he fought Kept plugging away, got a title shot way too late, grabbed it at both hands, and then in back and forth fights, continually stopped people, become one of the greatest light heavyweight champions of all time. Um, You know, so, and Charles' up and down career, we've really watched his whole career play out in front of our, our eyes. And, you know, I think when you do that, you can really shine a spotlight on the good and bad things about a fighter's career. Whereas if you look at it on a record, you can go, "Oh yeah, he got stopped in the first round, but who knows how that could have went?" You know, when it's in front of you, you can judge a lot easier. And Charles Oliveira really is a fighter that we've seen. He's got a kind of Robbie Lawler-esque career, actually. Robbie just had a kind of period, not where really he's flaky. But he just didn't really give a fuck, but he was always, you know, in the right situation, a dangerously violent person. Put it all together late in his career, went on a great run. Uh, culminating in, in, in one of the most electrifying title reigns uh, of all time. However, that was quite short because you know he fit a whole career's worth of wars into those title fights, and already had a whole career worth of wars. So, Charles Oliveira has also done that in his recent fights. These three fights: Chandler, uh, Gaethje, Poirier. Um, he's taking his licks. Is Islam Makachev the guy to beat him? As I say, I'm going to make a punt on it later. But uh, until then, prelims are about to start. So I'll dive back in in a minute. Um, And then, yeah, main card as well. I'll just keep podcasting all day, essentially, popping in after fights, off my thoughts. And it'll be hot off the presses, I imagine. And either I'll be elated and buzzing, and you'll probably have not heard a podcast like that in a while, or I'll be kind of how I was after the attention uh, Takaru fight you know just completely deflated and sound like have just been run over so and again don't hate Makachev at all think he's a quality fighter um and all power to him if he wins uh, but just don't find him as engaging a personality and an operator as Charles Oliveira because you know there's not that history there um and yeah I think you know Charles Oliveira's got this sort of air of vulnerability about him so it's easy to care um but he's also extremely violent so it's easy, he's easy to love um so, yeah, we'll talk about Charles and Islam later on. Uh, weird fight for many reasons. Um, but, yeah, prelims will be soon. Uh, I'm recording this now. I'm not going to edit this. I'll, I'll, if I come back and say something else in a minute before the prelims, just because something's jumped to mind, it's going to be a bit of a shaggy dog episode, I imagine, this one. But, as I say, a unique one uh, for what is uh, a real fucking big fight. That's how it feels. Feels big. Um and you feel the anticipation building now and uh, yeah lo and behold in a few short hours we'll be there it's uh, 14.58 so probably about 6-7 hours time main event will be starting you know it does seem weird to me um, that Landsberg and, and Hoser is on the prelims um, for UFC 280 um, it seems to me a fight that should be on the prelims for a fight night card you know, let alone a fucking massive uh, pay per view uh, maybe the matchmakers who follow this stuff more than I do have put an absolute banger together but I don't really see it maybe I'll be wrong pop back uh, after this you know I said I will not going to talk about everything but you know I've, something like this is worth talking about why the fuck is this on this card I just, I just don't get it I'm back and yeah whatever Mohamed um, uh is up next and for those who don't know who Marvin Makayev is, he came onto the scene with a lot of hype from being uh, an MMA, amateur MMA champ a couple times over, I think. Uh, I think he's from Dagestan, but he's based in, in the UK, Manchester, I think. Um, and just, you know, a real, as you, I'm sure you can imagine from the from Dagestan, a uh, really horrific uh, top control pressure guy, um, when I say horrific I mean in, sen- in the sense of what he's like for his opponents um, I actually think I'm, I'm of the opinion um, that the guy fought last time, Charles Johnson, is actually better than Malcolm Gordon, um, I like Johnson Um kind of dominated him but didn't really get anything done in terms of damage um, so yeah um, I think it's, it's interesting in the sense that Gordon's a pretty canny grappler himself. i um, be interested to see if he tries to uh, take Makayev down. I don't think he'll be too, too successful. But it's interesting in the sense of comparing uh, Makayev's performance to, to Amir al So I think that would be quite interesting. Um, I'm expecting Makaev to win a pretty uh, wide decision. Um, if he can finish, it'd be great. Maybe a head and arm choke or, or something like that. Or a, RNC, Not not really sure of the, of the method, obviously. Uh, but I think that uh, Makaev's going to probably have his way here, to be honest with you. Um, uh, yeah, so we might have a nice follow-up with a, uh, a pretty awful women's bantamweight fight with a uh, men's flyweight fight that might go 15 grinding minutes. Let's hope for a finish. Back in the immediate, literal immediate aftermath of uh, Muhammad Makaev's uh, third round submission victory via armbar, I had a really great line for Makaev, um Given this fight and the Johnson fight, it was going to be that Muhammad Makaev fights in a way that makes you get to page two of the scoring criteria, um, which is still somewhat true. I think um, he's you know positioned. Positionally, in terms of dominant grappling uh, positions and uh, the way that he doesn't really give too much away, he's great. You know, if it's not 2006, um, you need to be able to work more. I think you find it, it I think he doesn't work as much because he's worried about getting reversed. Um, he's worried about potential sweeps and whatnot. We saw that actually from Gordon in this, and all of he was really good at against um, the shit figure A um, so you know, good test. Come through fatigue to get a late submission. Can't say really that he didn't pass up with flying colours. But at the same time, raised a lot of questions. Um, you know, I think uh, at the end of that second round, we finally saw him face some adversity, and uh, yeah, he's come through it, which is great. And I've, as I said, I think I think Gordon's a decent fighter. Um, he's got some skill uh, on the ground as of late has been more of a sort of you know sort of hunting just sort of pressure and trying to force guys against the cage and trying to create sort of chaos and it worked at times but he also overzealous to the point that in that third round he comes straight out and it's got taken down straight away. So um, and, you know, not really setting up his work. So a good test, I still think McQuay's last opponent was better, but this performance was, over well, the finish. He got the finish in this one, so, and was able to hold him down for more, uh, for for longer periods of the fight. So, a mixed bag, but definitely passed his test of flying colours. Um, I think he says he wants to fight Brandon Royval next, but they've just made apparently um, Royval versus the aforementioned Al Bazi, So that's a pretty decent fight. Um, I say stop that fight. add McQuay fight. Brandon Royfell in December, and then I'm having fight fight in and then, you know the winner of that is you know, going to be, I think Albazi's top 10, so get that going, and uh, suddenly he's got a couple of fights against guys in the top 10, and if he really does want to get that title shot, he can get it, but he really feels like a prospect to me, a legitimate prospect, and when I say that, I mean in the sense of he is still learning, nowhere near the finished product, stand-up game is still has a lack of function um and when i say that i mean it's usually single strikes you know try and flashy shit i mean at the beginning of that second round it was embarrassing um you know there's no jab to set up level changes there's no doesn't appear to be much of a low kicking game from the fights, as i recall certainly not uh, today fought well in the first round when he was pressured and sort of you know was able to throw shots while he was being pressured and and come out strong, sort of saw a a couple of instances where he's pivoting out and staying out of trouble, fine. Um, But, you know, it seems that what he does is he will go for flashy one-off shit or he will concede ground and circle until he feels that he can shoot. So, not really there yet. A legitimate prospect. He clearly got some talent. He's still so young. We need to give him time. This whole, you know... If I see any smash brother shit with him, I'm not going to be happy at all. Who knows when I'll be back? There should be a couple of fun scraps, but who knows? I might not be back for a while. But uh, when I am, you'll hear from me, and uh, we'll see where I come back. Didn't think I was going to comment on Armin Petrosian versus AJ Dobson. Um, a clear win for Petrosian, and uh, but Dobson, I think he's got some potential. Uh, quick release on the right hand is, you know, might be one of these fighters who is sort of inherently passive. In which case, you could just write him off. Uh, if he was 25 rather than 30, it would be really exciting. But just liked his sort of uh, natural defensive reactions. And I think that, you know, although DC was sort of pushing the whole, look how great his cardio he was, he wasn't doing much. He wasn't you know, pushing the grappling phases of the fight as much as he should have done. Um, and he and he lost clearly, but I just saw a little bit of potential there. And, of course, always great to uh, hear Mark Coleman bellowing from Cade's side. So, um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that. Um They'd, if nothing else, they both look like future bone nickel uh, sacrifices. The last couple of fights, had like two rounds between the six that were somewhat interesting. Uh, Abbott back in the Magomedov versus Gadsieva uh Some fun scrambling moments. They're both knackered by the third round. Uh, and uh, Nikita Kridov versus Volkan Ozdemir. I mean, you think, given that is a former title challenger, that I'd actually give him a bit more time on this pod, but the first round was really fun um sloppy but fun that's as as good as you can hope for with current 205 but um yeah easy win for quitdoff in the end uh although the second round had a couple of decent uh sort of scrappy moments as well but yeah not much to talk about from a narrative standpoint or in terms of uh, sort of analysis not really anything of any interest as i suspected as i uh, when i first looked at the prelims earlier on today it's not really too much on there of, of much sort of interest. A uh, couple of fighters that you know could potentially go places. Um, I mean, even the most interesting fighters I said earlier, the uh, Sean Brady and Bilal Mohammed is not actually likely to be interesting uh, as it plays out. So, yeah, we'll see where, where I come back in. Uh, we're not far off the main event, well, the main card now. Um, Starting the flag, and it's only 1800 hours. So, come on now, let, let's, fucking, let's push through. But, I'm recording before the result has been announced, but well, I assume Kyle Bahadio beat uh, Muradov. Most notable for the ref, Dan Mohedy, or whatever his name is, calling uh, Muradov young man, which, you know, yeah, you know, you can give the guy as many warnings as you want, but you don't it be a condescending cunt. Young man, the ref looks about 38, and I think Muradov's like 35 or something. Young man. I mean, come on now. Um it was, you know, quite comic but you know, in the moment. But um yeah, a lot of people like Kyle Bahaglio. Um seems like sort of like a Giga Chad like Paolo Costa, but like a nice polite guy. Um, I don't know too much about him, but he seems like a like a really wholesome character. So he's like the the inverse of, of Paolo Costa. Um even given the lack of interest in prospects of one hundred eighty five, I'm still not sold on him. I think I've seen him like twice before and I feel like he was somewhat boring. So, um, yeah, whatever. Uh, as for Sean Brady and Bilal Mohammed, um, they both feel like, holdoffs from like holdovers from like 10 or 12 years ago, maybe more when 170 had a load of sort of grindy top control guys. Um, God knows who's going to win. Really don't know, really don't care. Um, but, you know, basically this to me is like a final eliminator to, you know, get rid of the guy that doesn't win. If that makes sense, you know, there's only room for one sort of uh, grindy, somewhat uninteresting uh, sort of wrestler type at 170. Um, I hope Brady wins. He's younger, he's got some upside, I suppose, you know, in terms of his record. Uh, and Bilal is, is painfully boring. So um, let's see how it goes. Um, but yeah, uh, Kyle Brajalio has won. So you don't have a decision. Whatever. I'll be back after the uh, Brady and uh, Balal fight actually happens. For some reason, I did not consider that a fight between two guys who love to stifle their opponents, um, you know, grappling-wise, would have been a shitty kickboxing match. But of course, that's what we got. Um, But I'm happy to say that that's probably the best I've ever seen, Balal Muhammad. Um, Front foot pressure, completely relentless. Brady is, you know, relatively... A sort of low output counter striker, anyway. Um, he was landing the cleaner work, definitely doing the better work. But Bilal just kept on going, um, kept pressuring him. Kind of reminded me of Habib in the Justin Gaethje fight. Um, not that good, obviously. Um, but yeah, kept going. Dip his head inside, throwing the the right hand uh, over uh, Brady's jab, you know, sort of cross-counter him, but just sort of pressuring him, herding him into it, really. Um, and then um, good advice um, from the corner in between rounds to start coming up the middle as well, which he did to good effect in that second round. Pleasantly surprised. That was actually quite fun. Um, I take back everything I said. Um, that was enjoyable, um, and if Habib is in your corner, you fucking you step it up when he tells you to step it up. Blaumah Mohamed completely stepped it up, so uh, you know genuinely a contender now. I thought he was somewhat overranked. Um, was never really high on Brady, as I said. I thought he had a bit more upside. I was wrong. Um, and what's clear to see is out of those undefeated fighters, uh, Shavkat Rachmanov, uh obviously uh, comes at Chemayev, and now Brady. There was clearly a distinction between them. Even more so now. Um, If Brady was like 24-25, I'd be particularly uh, intrigued about his prospects going forward. But um, even though he has some good wrinkles to his game, he's way off contention even in a relatively barren £170 division. And Bilal just shit-kicked him basically towards the end. Really impressive performance. And a nice stoppage there on the feet. There's no need for him to be getting banjoed multiple times, dropped... You know, ground and pounded in the into submission—not literal submission. I mean, ground and pounded just into dust. Um, that's an absolutely fine stoppage. Um, in terms of next moves for Bilal, um I think comes up would be amazing, but I think they're making comes at versus Colby Covington based on what uh, Dana was saying the other day. So uh, I'm sure he'll want to sit out now and wait for the winner of uh, uh, Kamara Usman and, and Leon Edwards free. Um, it's pretty clear that. Shamayev's gonna get that fight, assuming he beats Colby Covington. So, yeah, I think Bilal Howard versus uh Shavkat Bragmanov seems like the fight to make. It'd be a really interesting uh styles clash and, and Bilal, I mean <sighs> Paul Brady, there's nothing wrong no problem with the kid whatsoever. But if you're getting battered and stop, stopped stopped um, by strikes by Bilal Howard, even given the fact that Bilal appears to have, you know, really stepped it up for this fight, um, that's a concern, isn't it? Um, yeah, Shavkat, get it on. Uh, is he fighting Jeff Neal next? Rachmanov. I can't bother to check. Um, if he is, then fine. Um, but yeah, Bilal, definitely in the top five entrenched there now. Um, but not getting a title shot anytime soon. And uh, based on you know, order of things. Uh, but fuck me. He actually impressed me in that fight. And uh it's giving me a bit of a second wind. Um, perfect timing, um, given the main main card's about to start. I'm probably going to go out to the shop and buy a big tub of Ben & Jerry's to get me through the next couple of hours, although I'll demolish it in about 35 minutes, um, and because I'm not really concerned about missing the first fight on the card. So I shall return in uh, you know literal sense on this podcast in, in just a couple of seconds, uh, but of course I'm actually going to be gone for probably about 30 to 40 minutes. But before I leave... Um, to fund my habit of eating uh, Ben and Jerry's cookie dough flavour. If you like this podcast, please head on over to the Patreon, www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles. some pretty cool uh, bonus material already this month. More coming up, uh, if not in the next week, definitely in November with the humongous Guide to Pride 1, which is still the biggest undertaking uh, I've ever uh, done as a combat sports writer podcast or whatever you want to say you know it's just it's a, it's a humongous product uh project and a product i hope you uh enjoy it when it comes out and um yeah as i say i'm gonna sandwich this uh, ad in between the uh prelims and main card and we'll return shortly I actually got back in time that was awful look i'll, I'll tell you a bad fight where it was male or female but that shit is just shit and this is from a podcast that featured women prominently last week. The inaugural fighter of the year was a was a woman. This is not a misogynist podcast. That shit was awful. Fact. The worst of MMA, really. If you disagree, hit me up at CombatCR on Twitter and tell me why you think that was a good fight. Um, what's next? Mateusz Gamrock versus Benil Dariush. Um... I'm concerned about Darius. He hadn't fought for like 15 months, coming off a serious ankle injury. But then I looked at him, he's only 33. I thought he was about 38 by now. He's been in the UFC for so long. Um, in terms of the grappling phase of the fight, I don't think it's really going to come into play. Gamrot seems pretty well versed there himself. Um, don't really see Darius getting him down, really. So that's not really much of a concern. Um, Gamrot's bit more versatile on the feet in terms of you know, he, can, he can box out of either stance, He's got a nice straight right down the pipe which should be useful, but Darius is so janky and you know regardless of the fact he ain't got that many knockouts, he is powerful, um, it's, a, it's a hard one for me, I think Gamros is going to be more consistent over the three rounds and will win a decision, um, given the horrendous robbery over um, Armin Sarukin which is not Gamrotz's fault but has left a bit of taste in my mouth, um, i a couple weeks ago, if he'd asked me, I would have said, yeah, fuck it. I want him to lose. I like Dariush anyway. I like both of them, but I like Dariush. Um, nice body kicks as well from Dariush when he wants to. Um, but um, if any of you follow me on Twitter, you might know that I lost a, a really great friend uh, in the last 10 days. And he was from Poznan. And uh, serious FC Poznan fan. So that's where Gamrot's from as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to root him for Gamrot in the memory of my uh, great friend, Arkadius. Um, miss you, brother, and I don't want to weigh this podcast down. But, um, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Gamrot. I think he's just going to be, I think he's going to get that right hand down the pipe. He's going to land it consistently, um, and I think he's going to win a decision. Uh, but you never know with Darius. she does weird, janky shit all the time. Uh, as I record this bit, we've just seen Charles walking down and his slab walking down. Charles got serious drip. I'll talk about this when I come to the preview in a bit, but Charles' confidence, he's got this air of confidence now. Which I said earlier, like I feel like he could still capitulate if the going gets too tough. Not that to get knocked out easy or give up, but he might wilt under the pressure that Makachev might bring. But he's got this drip and this air of confidence about him that makes you feel like he does feel like a different guy now. Um, anyway, less about that. I'll be back after this uh, fight between top 10 lightweights. Is Gambrot in the top 10? Probably should be by now. Um, but it shouldn't be because of that robbery. But welcome back, uh, Ben Eel. Long back Benny, as some of the, uh, some of the hipsters call him. Uh, this should be an interesting one. As I say, on the feet, gamrot, sharper, more consistent. Um, less likely need to do something mean-worthy. He's a quality grappler himself. So, you know, where it's usually uh, Ben Eel's got a jiu-jitsu edge. Uh, Gamrot's really strong in, in the wrestling and whatnot. So, yeah. Gamrot, thirty twenty seven book it. Actually going to come back to this one after the first round. Beautifully scrambly round. Uh, Gamrot was getting Benil's back and then trying to hit him on the clinch breaks. I kept sort of hitting him sort of on the back of the head, but I could see what he was trying to do. Um, kicking exchanges, yes. Benil's uh, sort of uh, round kick to the body. He was trying for it. it. Didn't land it with that sort of crack that he would have liked. Um, but mainly just a nice little... Scramble Fest. Once um, scoring it, just enjoyed it. Checking in again after the second round, because that was phenomenal as well. Ben Eldarish really took that round, um, bringing the knees in. He's uh, stepping knee early on in the round uh, and the intercepting knee on the gamrot. Uh, takedown attempt, um, body shots. They're really really digging in, really um, good for scoring. Punches upstairs, stuttering into that uh, left round kick. Uh, and, and landed it with more authority for me. Clearly, uh, won that round based on uh, effective and uh, what's the word they'll use? I always talk about it on the podcast impactful shots. Um, Take down the fence was good, also, right up until the end. Um, Gamrot seems to be favouring the jab in the close stance. I said, before in my little sort of uh, prediction slash preview that he can fight out a stance seems to be preferring the jab in the close stance and then in orthodox um, in open stance matchup he's, he's then shooting the right hand more freely so he's struggling to get his offense going um, Darius seems to have settled into a, a rhythm now and he's got his timing down it's uh, got Gamrot's timing down when he uh, tries to uh, close the distance so this third round should be an absolute banger what a fight. And uh my earlier prediction that Benel Darush um you know given the time off and the injury and everything might not be his uh, his true self completely wrong. Um that third round, um earlier on it was quite scrambly by this, you know, he'd he'd got the time in, in the second round, as I say, on Gamrot's um, takedown attempts with the knees. Um in this one he was just able to get underhooks then able to fight grips, uh, then would transition into a single collar tie and then punch Gamrot on the clinch break. He actually was stuffing uh, Gamrot's attempts and then uh, using them to work himself. Um, and then later on in the round, got the timing down that left hand again and dropped Gamrot heavily. For me, the first round, I wasn't really scoring it. So 29-28 tw- um, so would probably be fair, um, but that third round could easily be a 10-8. And as I say, that first round I didn't really score it. So... Um, um, the, the, as I record, the official scorecard has not yet been announced. So I'm pretty certain that Benil should have won that fight. Incredible performance, considering the level of opposition. Um, just yeah, Rafael Cordero is just taking him from strength to strength, and he just looks absolutely quality. Uh, official results happening now, so I'm going to listen to that, and then I'll come back. I guess the I don't know, the heel hook attempts and a little bit of striking in the first round must have done it for him it was two thirty twenty sevens and a twenty nine twenty eight absolutely phenomenal performance has often been held up as a guy who's somewhat overranked um really did get it. I know the win streak's impressive, but based on beating a Tony Ferguson who at that point was still overranked but the fact of the matter is he is clearly one of the best lightweights in the world he 's got a real unique um, sort of makeup in terms of his sort of he 's not the most athletic guy he hasn't really got like that many knockouts but he's clearly like ridiculously heavy-handed and like a really powerful kicker as well um he's putting it all together and uh yeah man if if uh um, alexander Volkanovsky wasn't next for the title i think benil dario should be a very worthy challenger but this is a bloke who just he's been gagging to get back on it so i'm sure he'll fight again pretty soon um Next fight, Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley. just going to jump straight into it because I don't think the prediction will take too long. That's a long old body for uh, Piotr to the target. I can see him wearing uh, O'Malley down with kicks, um, making him look high, and then bring the, uh, probably shifting the southpaw, nice straight shot to the solar plexus. I can see him dropping him. I'm going to say Piotr Jan going to break down Sean O'Malley by the third round. If it was five, he definitely would. Um, but I've seen some people say online, look, Piotiann sort of um, called out as being a slow start. I probably won't need to be against O'Malley. I disagree with that somewhat, and we'll see how wrong I am because O'Malley is tall, long, janky, weird, creative. I think Piotiann's going to get his uh, reads down, sort of gain uh, some sort of knowledge about what he's going to try and do, draw out those leads, and then and then uh, counter him. I think he would as he as he always to, tends to do, build to a crescendo start dominating the fight and then and take O'Malley out interestingly I've said a few times on the podcast before that um the UFC seems to be building these sort of uh crossroads fights at 135 because it's such a log jam but sort of established contenders fighting you know prospects essentially or you know guys on the cusp of contention and uh it looks like they you know after all this time of moving Sean O'Malley way too slowly and uh, giving him way too many soft touches. And they now giving him one of the hardest fights going. As I say that, there's uh, Hasbullah in the crowd. Um, at least he isn't suffering from overexposure. And there's uh, Kamzat-Chemayev, proving once and for all that he isn't being held against his will in Russia. So, at least that's good. Um, I'll be back after the Yano uh, the O'Malley fight. I imagine I'll be back at the end of the fight. I don't see sort of uh, in-round swings happening like we did in that fight, which... Wasn't that brilliant. That Gamrot versus Darouche fight, absolutely brilliant high-level stuff. 155 is still alive and well, and there's so many quality contenders coming through. Just an amazing division. I can't believe we're getting closer to the title fight. Fucking hell. My ass is going. Just saw a tweet from old John Hyun Ko say that he thinks that Pio Yan's going to win by first or early knockout or whatever. Seeing how that guy is ridiculously wrong about seemingly everything he writes. Um, I think he's just cursed Piotr to a dodgy decision loss or something. I don't know. Let's hope not. Just a side, just a joke. Just slagging someone off. Some poor guy who's done nothing about no one other than write some tweets that I disagree with. But oh well. I'll check back in after the fight then, shall I? See how this goes. I can't say I'm not intrigued, even though I think it's going to be one-sided, because... You never know. It's MMA. Four-ounce gloves, shin to chin. Some might rise to the occasion. You just never know. But uh, given what we've seen of O'Malley, I don't think he's even a legitimately top 15 opponent uh, for Pierre-Yan. And I think Yan is, even given his uh, questionable decision-making in the first Aljo fight and his loss in the second one, I think he's one of the most complete and well-rounded fighters I've ever seen in the history of mixed martial arts. So, yeah, I am predicting a shit-kicking myself Just just not too early. Just checking in after the second round We learn more about O'Malley in these two rounds Than we have in all his previous fights All his fights against people designed to make him look good And some which he didn't even look very good in We learnt more in this fight than we have against uh, When he fought Chito Vera We learnt more in these first two rounds than we did When he fought uh, Pedro Munoz not long ago Um, Seems sharper Um, Conor Rebus, good friend from Heavy Hands of course Love you, Connor and Phil. If you're listening, doubt it. You hate me, Uh, but um, they mentioned and Connor mentioned especially that omalley has got a good jab. We saw that in the first round. Used it to establish range and was bringing the backhand behind it, doubling up. He'd sort of jab and then the second jab would just come out, just flick out to cover the uh, the backhand behind it. So nice sort of change of tempo. In that second round, he managed to use the threat of that uh, lead hand to bring in the, uh, the the backhand behind it and crack. Yeah, really nicely on the jaw. Definitely stunned him, but you saw how quickly Yan gathered himself. He was not all over the place. He, he had his guard up. He slipped the follow-ups and then timed O'Malley Bang! Big shot over the top. Dropped him heavily. Some big ones on the ground as well, um, and dominated much of that round. And then in the sort of latter couple of minutes of that second round, I started bringing in the the body kicks uh, as well. Um, I've been talking too long. The third round just started, so I'm going to jump back to that. And Yan uh, appears to be. Uh, Working his way into again kicking the fuck out of uh Sean O'Malley, but yeah, fucking enthralling fight. I'll be lying if I said anything else. Third round's just finished, absolutely brilliant. One the best rounds of the year. I don't even know who's won the fight yet. Um, first round was close. O'Malley landed some good punches, as I said. Second one was Piotr Yans. Third one, Yans landed some crushing punches. Um, but O'Malley knee up the middle, it looked like busted Jan's eye open, landed some. Uh, good shots around the guard and then hit him with a hot, uh, head kick. That looked like it rocked him. Jan shot straight away. Still had his wits about him. I'm just watching the replays now. Double jab by O'Malley. Just sorry as I watched this replay. It was a knee. It definitely was. It was a knee. Jan turned his head away from the knee and that's why he caught him on the eye. O'Malley followed it up. 1-2 down the middle. Bang! That left hook counter. Oh, now no, and left. Fucking hell, man. Piotr Jan, it is his count is so crisp. Um, it's all about whether you think O'Malley won those the striking exchanges. If they're sort of equal, then we move down to the rest of the criteria. Clearly, Piotr Yan dominated the rest of it. Um, given the fact he was rocked and badly busted open, even though he landed some big shots that rocked O'Malley as well, that's a really hard round to score for Piotr Yan. I'd need to watch it again. Um, again, I have no idea who's won. Uh, O'Malley looks fucked. Really tired. I'm not surprised. Um, One thing I will say, Pio did do some of the things I mentioned. It was way more competitive than I thought. And O'Malley definitely is a legitimate top 10 bantamweight. He's really showed up there um, in the hardest fight of his career and put forth, without a shadow of doubt, the best performance of his career. So, uh we're just seen the stats there, not that it means much. Control time, five and 5.44 for Piotr Yan, Two seconds for Sean O'Malley. Six takedowns for Piotr Yan, 51 significant strikes. 69 for Sean O'Malley. Doesn't really matter much. you know. We're, we're taking it on a case-by-case basis in terms of how impactful we think the, the shots were. I mean, fuck me. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see them do that over five. Uh, let's see what the result is. Well, Twitter is certainly going to be unbearable for the next six months. Sean O'Malley wins a split decision. I'm not sure I can even really sure I can really even dispute it. I mean, i say the first round was tight land, a couple of sharp punches. Third round, you could definitely see it based on the impact of the shots, but for me, I thought Piotr Yan won the second and third round. I think the fact they were both rocked in both rounds sort of negates any sort of 10-8s. So they were close competitive rounds. Sean O'Malley does not look his usual brash south. He looks like he's just been in a fucking war, um, which he was, but um, hey, I'd love to see a rematch. I'd love to see it over five. Uh, Sean O'Malley, regardless what you think of him, I've never been a fan of his. Uh, he just showed up in the hardest fight of his career with the best performance of his career. Um, so I'm not going to listen to the post fight interviews. I don't really care. Um, on to the uh, my prediction for the co-main event, which is the bantamweight title fight between Aljamain Sterling and T.J. Dillashaw. Similar to what I said about Ben Eldarou earlier, given the fact he's coming off a serious injury, he's actually a lot older. T.J. Dillashaw and actually thought he lost his last fight in a quite a damaging one with, with Corey Sandhagen. Um, I would have said, uh, you know, I don't think TJ's going to look that great in this one, but uh, Ben Hill just come back from a long-term hiatus and was absolutely fine. Dillashaw, based on style, should have way too much for Aljo because um, he's unlikely to be easy to control. He's always been tremendously scrambly. Um, this is one of the few fights where you know Aljo's not necessarily going to have the wrestling advantage. TJ just a shifty, uh, multifaceted, layered striker. Wherever we heard that we before, we had that with Piotr Yan. And Algerain Sterling beat him in the last fight. Fair and square, 48 47, in my opinion. Wow. Well, three rounds to two. Um, so, yeah, I mean, pff, Aljo's young, he's huge. And uh, I'm not going to count him out. I would suggest that I think TJ Dillashaw is going to win uh, via decision. I think he's just got more avenues to uh, get off uh, impactful strikes. Um, I think he's just got so many v- a variety of looks that he can give to Aljo. And Aljamain Sterling, as much as I respect him, in terms of modern UFC champions, let me rephrase that, modern male UFC champions, he's probably the most limited and, and sort of outright bad Striker we've seen. Um, if you have any other answers to the contrary, please send them to me on a postcard. Um, or over on Twitter, at CombatCR. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to pick TJ by decision. Even given the controversy this week about his friendship or, you know, dalliance with uh, old Andrew Tate, I don't really care, to be honest with you. I like how Joe's... I like that in spite of his sort of limited uh, toolbox... He's thriving in the deepest, uh, sort of most incredibly talent filled division in MMA today and possibly in all of MMA history. I mean, we've just seen a guy in the top 15 who hasn't really beaten anyone uh, take on, as I said before, and I stand standby at one of the most well rounded, gifted uh, mixed martial artists we've ever seen and win because, you know, this division's so deep and full of so many different types of stylists. Oh, look, Tai Tuivass is doing a shoey. We've got Hasbulla, we've got Ty doing a shoey—all the least interesting things about MMA culture—all at one event. So, um, yeah, so yeah, TJ by decision, I think. Uh, Let's see what happens. Will I come back round by round? I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but um, I think I almost certainly will for the main event. Um, For this one, might just see how it plays out, but I don't see any fireworks like that. But the event, you know, the the prelims—even given I said earlier, the prelims weren't that great, but there were some half decent matchups on there. They didn't really. Catch, catch fighter. Let's be honest. The, the main card for the Benil, Darush and uh, Mateusz uh, Gamrot fight, and now this one, uh, the uh, Piotr Jan and uh, Sean O'Malley fight. Those two are just two of the best fights I've seen all year. Um, so maybe this, maybe these next two will be even, even greater. But I'm starting to feel a bit sick. Not just the ice cream. I'm starting to feel a bit sick about the main event because we will get to that prediction in a bit. Let's just hold fire for now. We'll see how I feel when that in, the, in a, you know 30 minutes or so. Uh, a reminder as well that I'm not on Twitter or anything. Got my laptop in front of me watching the event on my phone. Um so I'm not really on Twitter. I had a brief moment where I just sort of logged on to say look, sorry guys, I'm not online. I'm I'm recording the podcast. So not at all influenced by anyone else. Not at, if there's things I've missed, usually you'd catch them because your friend's messenger or say have you seen this detail or you see it shared on twitter and you see people talking about it and you sort of it's not hive mind but you get to draw all these influences together before you sort of form your own opinion and you know we all help each other out in this i'm watching coming in just sort of just winging it based on my initial impressions of the fight this is not as i said earlier usually you have time to watch a fight maybe re-watch your fight gather your thoughts take notes and then come to an idea of the kind of picture you want to portray of what you've seen, you know, not in terms of uh, putting forth an agenda or a narrative, but these are the important key parts of the fight that I really want to get across to tell the story of the fight. And with this, it's very ad hoc and just like, fuck me, that was good, or this is cool, or you know, what does this tell us about the fighters? So, we're nearly an hour in. We've got two the two biggest fights of the card to go. So, um, yeah, if it's at all rambly or unfocused, I apologise. But as I say, it's a bit of an experimental episode and hopefully uh, it's enjoyable. Ah, totally bizarre fight. Sometimes it happens. We don't like to see it. You know, you get your head clashes for your no contests or your random injuries. Or it turns out TJ Dillashaw was already injured going in this one. I did express some sort of concern about him at this age. Coming off a major injury, it seems that he's picked up another one. He's just probably not built uh, to be that durable at this age. Uh, A body like his, uh, with all the wear and tear he's had, uh, fighting for a weight cut, uh, you know, shit happens. And uh, he was already injured going into the fight. looks like his shoulder popped out early. Aljamain Sterling stopped him. Um, Even then, though, the tenacity which Dillashaw tried to defend himself and fight through those 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 um those rough moments there where he was one handed. Um kind of, you know, for me at least, eradicates the, the the memory of the early capitulation against Henry Cejudo where he looked like a corpse. And uh yeah, fair play to T J, you know. He thought about as well as he could have there I think under the circumstances. But yeah, not really much to analyse, it's just a bit of a weird one and uh Al Jermaine Sterling now has wins over T.J. Dillashaw, Piotr Jan, uh, amongst others. Oh, Corey Sandhagen as well. He made that look easy, didn't he? So, you know, in spite of how one-dimensional he is, and I think he is, you know, I've said before, his striking is janky but somewhat effective, but mainly as a means to an end to keep people just off him just long enough for him to uh, work into phases of fight where he's comfortable on the mat. He's just such an absolute monster. Um, that body triangle becoming uh, sort of a signature for him as much as, say, I don't know Tommy his right hand was for him. So, yeah, when he gets you down there, he's a fucking nightmare. And I think uh, I'm obviously going to pick him to beat Sean O'Malley, but that fight's a weird, weird fight <laughs> to try and pick. Um, utterly bizarre. So, um given Piotr Jan got O'Malley down more than once. Um, I have no issues with Aljamain doing that and, and finishing there or, or you know, getting a bit of it there. But early days, yeah, don't get me wrong. The fact that um, Sean O'Malley is so long and janky uh, should make it an interesting one. I can't believe, if you asked me that an hour ago, I never would have said it. I would have been picking a TJ Dillashaw versus Jan uh, fight for the title. But um, Aljo, fair play to you, man. You know, you did what you had to do. It's not your fault that TJ got injured. Um, probably UFC should have... Maybe the UFC didn't know about TJ, maybe they did, but they probably should have pivoted to another match, probably should have given Yan another shot, or, or maybe even O'Malley, I don't know, but clearly um, TJ shouldn't have been in there. If it's true, uh, the, the interpretation on what Mark Goddard said, the, the esteemed and, and veteran ref, uh, they, TJ had mentioned the injury to, uh, to him before the fight, and it wasn't just like one of them, uh, was it... Damian Meyer versus Dong Hyun Kim where look early takedown just injured him or was it Woodley and Kim or am I getting mixed up with Woodley and Condit? so many fights in that era I'm not sure who fought who now but um, I know it was definitely Sung Gun that got injured off a takedown like innocuous looking takedown and immediately uh, had to quit um, and it looked to me that's what happened to Dillashaw. He got takedown, and as he po- tried to post, the shoulder popped out. Now, I still think that part of it's true, but it looks like the injury was uh, was prior to the bout actually starting. So, bit of a mess. Not how we wanted it to look, but um, TJ did as well as he could have, given the circumstances, and Aljo did what he had to do. So, I actually didn't think TJ Dillashaw deserved a title shot anyway. I'm not particularly bothered. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Um, you know regardless of what you think of him as a fighter, I do believe he's an all-time great uh, weight, 100%, one of, one of the greatest to ever do it at, in that weight class. Um, he's a bit of a prick, isn't he, let's be honest, so who cares, um, as long as he didn't take too much damage there and he can go home to his family. I'm all good with that. So, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. I think the conclusion I've come to on this fight, and you know, since last episode and all throughout this one, I've been wrestling with myself on how I think it's going to go, and I think the conclusion I've come to... Could be totally wrong. We've already seen instances of that and that in this episode. By the way, I did log on onto Twitter briefly, and everyone's losing their fucking mind over the O'Malley-Piotr fight. You can just about see the first round to O'Malley, maybe. Maybe. That's all you need. And the third round. That's all you need. It's not the worst robbery of all time. There's not... I keep seeing everyone go, there's zero chance you could ever score this to O'Malley. Come on, we've seen worse, guys. We've seen worse. Trust me. That was a close competitive fight. And in fights like that, you don't need to freak out just because you've been saying for months that Piotr going to smash in the bits. I said he was going to smash in the bits, but I'm then not backtracking He go, oh, oh, it was a robbery, but they robbed him to make myself look like less of a fucking idiot. I was wrong. It's fine to be wrong. With fighters where you haven't seen them progress properly or you've seen them against certain styles and they haven't, seen, you don't, they haven't shown you what you need to see, you can only go based on what you've seen. Sean O'Malley showed us stuff tonight that he's never shown us. Okay, you want to know that, so you don't need to feel stupid. And yes, as I said, Twitter's going to be a cesspool because the majority of O'Malley's fans appear to be fucking idiots. Just mute them or block them. Don't don't engage them. Enjoy for what it was—a fantastic fight. I said earlier about not getting emotionally invested in fights. You don't need to get emotionally invested in scorecards that like were close, competitive fights, and they were all those rounds. Even in the round that O'Malley got his shit kicked in, in the second round, he still buzzed, Piotr Yan briefly. Why is everyone freaking out? But anyway, I digress again. um, I've been wrestling with myself. And again, I may be wrong, but I think whoever wins this fight between Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev, they're going to win it in one-sided fashion. That's the conclusion I've come to. Don't think it's going to be this back-and-forth, spectacular fight, maybe early on, Maybe the first round or first half round, whatever, as they feel each other out. But I think once either man uh, gets on top, not not literally, you know, finds their footing in the fight, I think the other man's going to struggle because I the problem with analysing this fight is that similar to what I said about Sean O'Malley, I can't just guess on a whim based on not seeing these guys do certain things. I haven't seen Oliveira defend takedowns consistently for a while. I think about Paul Fowler working his way through the gears and and no-selling Charles' submissions and how tired Oliveira got. That was five years ago. I think about Makachev reacting badly to pressure, but I haven't seen him fight anyone as good as Chucky before and it might well be that if we'd seen him progress steadily through the ranks, because he's really jumped into this based on fights get against guys in the sort of 8 to 15 range, he hasn't fought anyone in the top five, we might have seen more from him and go, actually, I can see this, I'm not too concerned about him, or, you know, he can do this, he can do that. But actually, we haven't seen too much from him in that regard. His striking, for me, is still a work in progress. Um, it's not the best part of his game by any means. He has added you know, decent kicks to his arsenal and, uh, say, on the mat, he's a monster. Um, uh, what's the pick? My pick is. I think my pick is Islam Makachev by fourth round TKO. I think he's going to tire Charles out. He's going to struggle early, um, working his way from sort of clinch position down, taking him down, working his way through the guard. I think he's going to be conservative. I think that's going to get to Charles eventually. What Charles needs to do is in those clinch positions, he needs to punish him, he needs to punish him on the entries, he needs to hit him on those intercepting knees, he needs to get his jab going, he needs to hit him with that long right hand against uh, Makachev, he needs to get that going. What Makachev needs to do is get Charles down, work his way through the gears, not worry too much about getting submitted because he's a very capable grappler himself, he's not like you know, he's not like Pore and, and Gaethje who famously shit the bed. Um, Oliveira is an amazingly dangerous submission specialist There's no doubt about it But he's not impossible Okay He's not impossible That's a fact um, So both guys have got to show me things That I haven't seen from him Or at least consistently And that's why I find it hard to pick So I think Makachev's going to win by 4th round TKO Sort of, you know, just going to work his way on top um, Might even be a submission He might snatch an arm, you know pull fucking Chucky's arm out of place or something, I don't know, I can see him tire him out, I just think he's, he looks like a big, durable, uh, not durable, I think he's pretty durable, even though he did get knocked out early on his career, that was sort of flash knockdown I think, but he looks like a big strong lad, um, but he might just capitulate under the pressure, Charles Oliveira has become an amazingly uh, good pressure fighter, and as I've alluded to more than once, he might be one of those few fighters who has gained an extra confidence, he seems to believe himself as the Fucking baddest man in the planet. And and rightly so. So I find it really hard to pick. I think I'm probably sadness hedging a bit. I don't hate Islam Makachev by any means. Not at all. No problem with him whatsoever. Um, But as I said earlier, real fondness for Charles Oliveira. So probably sadness hedging a little bit. Will I pop in after each round? Who knows? We just don't know how the fight's going to go. I might feel too sick to do so. But um, yeah, here we go. Uh, Islam by fourth round stoppage. Or just... Whatever, does that really matter? Um, I think it really is a case of if Charles can consistently pressure him uh, and punish the clinch entries, um, he can he can take Islam out, uh, sort of club and sub, maybe second round. Um, you know, we don't know. He, he might still progress even more in his striking, which has become more and more refined over recent years. Um, but I just feel like he's going to get tired in this one. I think he's going to get disheartened. I don't think it's going to be the whole, you know, Everyone always says, you know, he always falls under pressure, and that is that. Makachev is enough to sort of drain anyone, I think, um, and it's enough to really fucking put the pace on anyone and take him out. Doesn't matter about previous history; you could be in the prime of your career, not one you know, sort of uh, known for breaking. This guy really does stifle people and grind them out, and I could see Charles getting despondent. Um, if he's not getting success in the phases of a fight that he usually would get success in. So let's see how it goes. It's about to start, and who knows when I'll check in, but fuck me. Oh, we're nearly there, guys, and uh, by the time you get to this bit of the podcast, you, you might be like, oh, this is really fun, because you know the result I wanted happened, or you might go, do you know what? Why the fuck am I listening to this? I'm still devastated over the main event. Um, let's just hope we get a proper fight. No injuries, no head clashes, no bad decisions or anything. A legitimate fight, I think I'm pretty sure it's going to be a finish. These guys, it's going to be a finish. I don't think we have to worry about bad decisions. Um, Charles Oliveira has always been kill or be killed and it appears to be very much the same, even though as you know, in in this essentially title run, but in a title fight, even in the prime of his career, with all the developments he's made, with all the strides he's taken, he is always going to be a kill or be killed fighter. Whatever you can say about him, that much is true. So let's see how it goes. UFC 280. Headliner, Whew. long old day, long old podcast. Hope you've enjoyed, and uh, if not, you know where to find me. Charles fir- uh, found that first round tough. Um, it's like back to my pearly with a kind of wild flurry of shots, um, and then managed to get him against the cage. And Charles really wasn't able to do much from there. Couldn't really, uh, he couldn't really get his hips going at all. Wasn't able to do much. Um, he did initially um, manage to get back to his feet, and but. Once Islam had him back up against the cage, you really couldn't do anything to sort of um, turn the tables on him. Towards the end, Islam tried to posture up. I think he's going to try and drop some ground and pound, um, and, and Charles landed a really nasty-looking up kick. Looks fine in the corner as I record this uh, uh, sort of summary of the first round, but but for me personally, um, pretty clear round for Islam. Arm um, triangle, didn't even look that deep? Did he shit the bed again? Uh, I don't know, but fucking hell. Um... There was a moment there where Charles sort of started pressuring again in the second round. What I liked that, in the clinch work against the cage, Charles seemed better prepared in the second round. Um, managed to sort of work his way through, frame off, land a knee, elbowed on, on the break. I'm not sure if that landed actually, but that's what he was trying to do. Managed to then back Islam off. That was perfect. Uh, established a threat, made it clear that um, Islam couldn't just bully him in there. Um, but every time he come forward, he's usually sharp, straight punches. Islam was sort of Catching him with awkward-looking looping shots. Um, And then Charles, he went for looked like a crazy fucking jumping switch kick. Looks like he got clobbered in mid-air, sort of threw himself into it. Uh, Hit the deck. Makachev, unlike everyone else, this is what everyone said going into this fight. Recently, people shit themselves when they hurt Chucky. He's got this built-in defence mechanism where people don't want to jump into his guard. Doesn't bother Islam Makachev. Jumped in, got the head and arm, didn't even... At one point, a like lot Chucky was fighting it, and then they looked actually quite close. Everyone knows a head and arm to finish it. Um, you know, you got to posture yourself as far away, sort of, uh, I don't know what the angle would be, but, you know, you're basically horizontal and trying to get as far away as possible, and the opponent needs to keep getting his... Uh, leg as close as possible to your leg. They looked pretty much close to on top of each other when Charles tapped without much resistance. Hey, don't get me wrong, Islam's got a real squeeze on him. Um, But for me, that looks a little bit like Chucky shit in the bed again. And I'm not just saying that because I I sort of uh, threw it out there earlier. Um, I'm disappointed, obviously, uh, with the result. But um, not a vintage Charles Oliveira performance. And uh, I think probably... He captured lightning in a bottle with that title run there, and uh, I doubt we'll see him contending for titles again. Um, What can I say? Amazing fighter, all the same. And uh, those that little prime run there was just the cherry on top of an amazing action-filled career. Who knows what might happen? But um, it looks to me like Sam Makachev's got uh, some amazing opponents lined up for him. As I said earlier, you know the lightweight division's full of talent. don't know whether uh, Alex Volkanovski is going to take that fight. Knowing him, I'm sure he will. He probably won't give a fuck. Um, that's really intriguing, whichever way you slice it. Uh, Benil Darish waiting in the wings. I'm sure he'll want to fight again in the meantime. But uh, Islam Makachev looks pretty damn formidable. Um, again, it's like, you know, if you're struggling against people in the top 15 and then you jump up and fight the best in the division, I've, I can understand sort of cause for pause. But if you're demolishing everyone you face... And like something like that, Sarukin win looks better in retrospect. Do you know what I mean? Because he's clearly a top 15 or possibly top 10 level operator himself. Um, you know, It's clear to see that Makachev is the goods. Um, I thought it would have taken longer than that. Um, he did face a bit of resistance from Charles, but generally it was one-sided. And as I said, I thought if it was going to be one-sided, then you know the person who was getting their own way would, would tend to win. And the fact that Makachev got that finish based on a stand-up uh, Scenario, you know, he knocked him down, and jumped on top of him, somewhat unexpected given uh, Chucky's prowess on the feet. Maybe I'm just being all doom and gloom because it's so soon after the fight. If you listen to the preceding hour or so, you will know I have built this up uh, for a while now. But fair play to Slam Magachev, we have a new champion. Um, I was always pretty certain, actually, that Habib would have bought uh, would have beaten Charles Oliveira. Even though in terms of the pressure and everything, you would have thought, and 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 his prowess on the mat, you would have thought that Charles would have been a nightmare matchup for. Um, uh, Habib, in a way that I never thought Tony Ferguson was or anything like that, but um, Ryan Wagner on the fight side always said like Habib would just slice through this guy, um, and I think that's pretty obvious because I still rate Habib in higher esteem than Denis than Slamakachev, but I hate that, I shouldn't have said that because. All keep people kept saying for the last couple of weeks is he's the new Habib. He's new, he's clearly a bit of a different fighter to be honest with you, um, and he's got a chance now to make his own legacy and possibly against a, a deeper roster than Habib ever managed to uh, defend against. So, I mean, already that's a fantastic win for him there in Charles Oliveira. So, we're really intrigued to see what happens next with his career. That's enough for me for tonight um, or tomorrow morning if you're listening to this or whenever you decide to listen to it. Um, but. I'm going to now take my vacation. As I say, another episode already queued up for later on in the week. If you like this podcast, feel free to give it a five-star rating and review on your preferred podcast platform because that makes it more visible uh, to others. And as always, your retweets, likes, comments, etc. are always really appreciated. any criticism of the podcast. Hit me up on Twitter at CombatCR. Um, and just thanks for listening and thanks for your continued support. I'll be uh, speaking to you, as I say, later on in the week, but probably not, in real time uh i'm going to try and stay off my phone as best i can as i I sort of said earlier and uh, hopefully this podcast will give you plenty to think about and this event will give you plenty to think about keep you tidied over uh till i get back thanks as always peace out